the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. That it changes your life. Knowledge will puff up. Love of the Lord and one another demonstrably will build up. Okay, let's go back to the Word now. Acts chapter 2. We talked a lot about the Word. I could preach for hours and hours and hours on the importance of preaching and teaching and how to get it into your life. But I need to move on. So let's go to the next part of Acts chapter 2. When it says here, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So you can kind of leave that and just say they continually devoted themselves to fellowship. To do that, you have to understand what fellowship is. Fellowship comes from a Greek word that means koinonia. It means having things in common. For those of you that are real simple and like it this way, I think fellowship is two fellows in the same ship going in the same direction. That's fellowship. Does that help you on that? So do that. There's a great book on doing life together by a guy by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you can get his book, it's, a, it's not a thick book, it is a deep book, but it's probably the one that gives you the most insight on what does it mean to do life together in this koinonia. And what is so critical is the... Watch, this is so huge... The intimacy that we have with Christ because I am in Him and He's in me because I've trusted Christ as Savior. I've been born again. I am now part of Him, all right? When you trust Christ as Savior, that means as I'm connected to Him, I should be not just positionally connected to you, but I should be practically in a way that I am reaching out to touch you in a spiritual way. So I look at it this way. We are spiritually together. But we also need to be practical. I'm not talking about lip to lip and all that junk, okay? What I'm talking about is that when you hurt, I hurt. When you have a need, I have a need. When your kid gets honored, it's as if my kid gets honored. When you have some help that's needed, I'll be there for you. When you rejoice, I'm not, I'm not going to get jealous. I'm going to rejoice because we're all in this thing together. It's so funny how the churches have got to be that when your children's ministry goes on and you have a children event at night, all the older people that don't have kids, well, I don't have to go, that's not for me, my kids aren't there. Your kids are there. They're just not your flesh kids. Every one of you need to be a part of that. And you young people that say, oh, the old folks are going to have all this kind of stuff, I don't need to be a part of that. Well, sometimes it is closed a little bit because they do that thing that they do for themselves. But when they have something special, you celebrate with them because we are family. Say, we are family. We are family. Now, when we do that, the whole world looks on this thing. And I I tell you, I could preach for hours on this whole idea of the community of the redeemed. Write that in your margin. The community of the redeemed is not just a theological teaching or a truth. It is our very life. We are connected to each other by the very virtue of the blood of Christ when he died on the cross for us. We are born together. You're my brother. You're my sister in Christ. And so you women, I will treat like a sister, purely. And you men to the women, they're your sisters. They're your brothers. And you treat them purely. 
So what are we going to do? We're going to engage our relationships. We're going to engage our relationships. Now to do that, you're going to have to see a couple of little phrases in this whole passage on the DNA of a healthy church. So look back at your Bible and I'll kind of get you through it, okay? Verse 42, it says, to have fellowship. We've talked about that. Now if you will, go to verse 44 and it says, who had believed were together. Just underline or circle the phrase, were together. Fellowship, were together. Now go to verse 46. Day by day, continue with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together. Circle the word together. All right, so now you can draw a line from together in verse 44 to together in verse 46 and then draw a line up to fellowship because that's what fellowship is. It's doing life together. And that's all a great, important truth that we have for our lives, how critical that is. Now, folks, go very quickly, if you will, turn to Romans chapter 15. Because in order to do life together, it starts out with our mind. We have to think the same thing so we can speak the same things. We're going to look at Romans 15. Romans 15. And I want you to look at verse 5, 6, and 7. And while you're turning there, there are many good books out on what they call the one another principles. I urge you to go up to our library. We've got a tremendous 3,000 volume theological library up on the third floor. You go up there. Do a study on the one another principles. We pray for one another. We love one another. We serve one another. We accept one another. We rebuke one another. All the one another principles that brings us spiritual health that will then cause us to grow spiritually and numerically. Now look in verse 5, Romans 15, 5. It says, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement, and I love that, in order for me to be encouraged and to give encouragement, to be persevering and to give perseverance, I have to receive it from the Lord. He says, We'll grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. So mark it in your Bible. Same mind with one another. We want to think the same thing. Now, does that mean everybody has to like anchovies on your pizza? No, but on the things that matter for life, on theology, we do need to think alike. Now, on the major things, we have unity, and the minor things, we're going to have liberty, but in all things, we're going to have charity. I picked that up from someone else, and it really works. But verse 6, it says, we're to remember, think the same thing according to Christ Jesus. And I would say to do that, we have to have the written word. You have the living word, which is Christ. You have the written word. Now, verse 6, so that... If we don't think the same thing, so that with one accord, you may with one voice or one mouth, so you have to think right, same thing, in order for you to speak right, in order for the Lord to be glorified. So with one voice, glorify the Lord God, etc. So the whole point is I have to think the same thing so I can speak the same thing. And if we think the same thing and we speak the same thing, then we are glorifying the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. Go to verse 8. Excuse me, verse 7. Therefore, accept one another. So in other words, in order for them to think the right thing and say the right thing, watch this, watch this, watch this, we have to accept them into our lives and work with them and love them and help them and watch, maybe even learn some things that we need to get corrected so we can get on the same page. In our leadership meetings here, we don't expect all of our leaders to agree 100% on everything that we say in a leadership meeting. We call it a unity room. The unity room, we want you in the unity room. Some are along the walls. Some are in the center, but we want you in the unity room. If you're not in the unity room, let's wait until we can get in the say the same things and think the same thing unity room. So somewhere we're in the room. Let's go a little bit further. Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Now, he didn't accept us only when we had perfect theology. We had a perfect character. 
He accepted us because we were accepted in the beloved one by faith alone. And then he accepts us and then he works with us to help us to get on the same page. So we need to accept one another. But when you start marginalizing, and I won't hang with this person, I won't hang with that person, I won't talk to this person, I'm not going to say hi to this person. You begin to marginalize everybody. You've cheated yourself out of something potential that God wanted you to have that he'll still give to you because he loves you, but you're going to get it later and from someone else and you could have wasted some time. And so again, you want to bring them all together. In fact, if you want to, you guys here, right across the verse, big, 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 the following letters, A-L-O-H-A. What is that? Aloha. You receive them in, the energy that's in, and you give out the energy together with one another. How important that is with each other. So you engage your relationships. One last passage, and then we'll just kind of end it with some application and go home. Turn, if you will, to the next book, right over to the right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look in verse 10. Paul is now writing to a church that is all divided. I would like to say it was not a healthy church. It was not a growing church. You have people of all different spiritual levels of maturity, mostly immaturity. And here's what he says in the first letter to the Corinthian church that was so bad in their connectivity. Here's what he says. Verse 10. Now I, Paul, exhort you, brethren, so he's speaking to those who know Christ, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, that would be the phrase, speak the same thing. Now, where do we hear that? What he said to Romans. That you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind, in the same judgment, which implies that if you can't agree, and there are divisions, you will not be complete in the same mind, and you won't be able to decide equally. So if you have problems making a decision, it's generally because there's a brokenness inside of what we might want to call fellowship. Well, folks, that's another whole sermon, but I wanted to just let you know that for a church to be healthy, we have to be teaching the correct doctrine, we have to be receiving the correct doctrine, we need to receive it, we need to research it, we need to respond to it, and at the same time, we don't just sit in here like it's a seminary class, we learn so that we can then give out. So it's about the book, but it's also about the body life that's going on. So here's some take-home action points for you. I hope this would be your commitment. Just take a baby step forward with this. I will enhance my walk. The principles are simple. They're Word of God. I'm going to enhance my walk. I'm going to love the Word of God, so I'm going to know the principles, and I'm going to live out the practice. You've got to let the Word of God, if you can look up here for a moment. I know this would be hard to do this, but watch. You want the Word of God, as you receive it, to go into your head. We would call that, the Greeks would call it logos. Then you want it to go from your head to your heart. You've researched it, you've received it, now you're owning it in your heart through proper study and investigation. They would call that pathos. You're passionate about what you're learning, but it doesn't end there. Then you want it to be lived out through your hands. So it comes into your head, it goes down into your heart, it goes out through your hands, and that's where you get your word ethos from. And that means we get our word ethics from it, character from it, lifestyle from it. And so all this is coming in, and you want the word of God there. The more you get the word of God in and you're living in that balance between knowing, believing, and behaving, then you will start becoming like Christ. But the second thing you want to do is you want to engage your relationships. And I hope that you see it's about people, it's about persons, personalities, it's about all those things that make up a life. It's talking about loving other people. So you love the word of God and you love other people. Engage those relationships. 
I'm going to divide you up right now. You don't have to move anywhere, but I'm going to compartmentalize you because I love you. Those of you who are single, I would like to encourage you to engage relationships. I'm not talking about sexual. I'm not talking about that you have to date them and to marry them and all that, date, mate, and all that. But I'm saying engage relationships. You start by having an acquaintance with someone. From the acquaintance, you might go to a casual friend. Then you might go to a close friend. And then later on, you're going to be an intimate friend and not necessarily sexual. But it does mean that you've got to go through the process. So when you come, learn people of who you're with and get a chance to meet them, hang around with them, learn from them as iron sharpens iron, but connect with one another. Those of you who are married now, maybe some of you are struggling in your marriage. Why don't you make a commitment? Because body life isn't, watch this, watch this. It isn't in the passage here, they were devoted in fellowship. A lot of times we think, oh, it means one church member with another church member. It doesn't say that in scripture. It just says fellowship. So that means a husband with a wife, a wife with a husband, a parent with a child, a child with a parent. So it's families. They came in as singles. They came in as partners. They came in as parents. They came in all different kinds. So the fellowship is not just between people in the congregation, but it's people within their families, people within their walks of life. And then that comes into the church and then we can learn to get along with one another. So those of you who are married, make your commitment to heal any broken relationships that you've had and make this commitment of a year to figure out what went wrong. Do your ho'oponopono together and learn to forgive each other and come together in a special, intimate way. And if you need a definition for intimacy, intimacy is into me see. Start revealing your hurts, hang-ups, and habits. And then when the other person shares them with you that are hearing that, come with a quiet, listening ear and not a blame place. Poke your finger at them. And then the third group would be those who are families. If you really want to have the fellowship with one another, why don't you divide up your activities into just two categories? Call them a participation activity and a spectator activity. So many of you think it's a participation activity when most of it is nothing more than a spectator. You watch television. You watch movies. You watch your kids play at soccer. Those are all spectator things. I want to commend you because there are a lot of absentee parents. I realize that by choice and not because they have to. But when you do the spectator, that's still not engaging each other. So then you want to do the participatory events, the things that causes you to have to interact with one another. And it's not the fighting of being late to a soccer game or fighting because the kid didn't play right on the way home from a soccer thing. It's where that you're together growing. Now, out of the two, you have what we call the, the spectator and the participation and I don't want to too fine line this, but you might want to say, I'm going to spend 60% of my time, more of my time creating events where I'm participating with my kids, engaged in their minds. They're engaged in my mind. We're doing it socially, mentally, spiritually. And then 40% and just kind of doing things where you're observing. Now, that's not wrong to do that because often when you're observing, then you have something about which to talk about in your participation time. But do that to come together. And then those of you that are just Christians, engaging your relationships here around with one another. Our island is full. I went to the HIM conference and it was so good to see people. I saw the, the couple, I, the first couple I married here in Hawaii. I had a chance to meet them. It was a wonderful thing. They loved each other. They've been wanting to have children. They've been childless and it's a painful thing. He's now got cancer and it's growing out from under his arm. We prayed right there in the middle of the whole mezzanine at the conference. Maybe some of you saw us and we wept. And that's part of body life. And the illustrations go on. And the last would be just between members. If there's a broken relationship with someone in the group, try to do your part to make it right. Ask them to forgive you. Take ownership of it. If not, 
Give them, let, let God have more time to work in their life, but get past some of that stuff. See if there's some bitterness in you. And you might say, I've done all this stuff, but if you don't really start working closer together with one another, then you've just lied to yourself and your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And you said you've done the forgiving, but you really haven't because you avoid them. And if you say, I don't want to be around them because they always hurt me when I'm around them, talk about that. And you prickly people out there, you sandpaper people out there, oil up a little bit and realize that uh, not everybody's going to do it your way. I'm so grateful that we are a safe church with wonderful people in it. And those of you who are our guests, the very focal point that brings us all together, I love this, is the person and the work of Jesus Christ when he said, for God so loved you the way you are. That he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And by giving him, it wasn't like he went to the cross. He gave his life, everything on the cross. Rose again. And then he says, whoever you are, whatever kind of person you are, if you would believe in me, in Christ, believe in Christ, you would never perish but have everlasting life. It's not behave. It's not believe and behave. It's not believe and make sure you do right until you sin. No. It's simply only believe in him. They received the word. Salvation was by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. They examined that to be truth. They believed it, and many were saved. And I hope that's for you. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like you to take a few minutes and just think about this message. We need to bring this to a close. Now, I had a lot of announcements, and some of them went long but they were healthy and important. That's part of body life. And so some of you there are thinking, oh, they shouldn't have said all of that. It went too long. That's part of our community here. But the first thing you want to look at again is have you accepted the payment Christ made for you on the cross and you've said his payment was not only satisfying to his father in heaven when Jesus died, but that payment he made satisfied it for me because now I have, I look at this and I, I don't have to do anything else to add to it. I'm satisfied with what he did, so I'm not going to help him out by trying to be good. I'm not going to try to help him out by believing in him and also trying to be good to get into heaven. I'm satisfied with what he's done. I accept that's a full, completed payment for my sin. He's done the work. He is who he claimed to be. He rose again from the dead. He is everyone, everything he was, is, and will be. And now I have my complete confidence in him that he's forgiven me of all my sin. That's what it is. That's what it means to believe. So are you receiving him as your savior? John says, to as many as received him, Christ, to them gave he the authority and the right to be called the sons of God, children of God. Watch this. To those who believe on his name. So how do you receive him? You believe in him. Is it a prayer? Ah, not so much. But it is an acknowledgement and a recognition and a transaction where you are now placing fully your confidence in Christ, not just in a series of facts, but in Christ. He that believes on Christ is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already only because he hasn't believed. So if you want to get out of the state of condemnation into the state of future glorification, then you need to trust Christ as your Savior right now. Is there anyone in here, wherever you are, that's willing now to receive Christ, you've examined it to be for you and your place in your faith in him. And you'd like for me to pray for you. Is there anyone here? If there is, 
I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. No, you're not going to stand up. You're not going to have to say anything. You're not going to have to come down any aisle. There's no altar call. And even me praying for you won't get you into heaven. It's just an opportunity for you to kind of let me know you've trusted Christ and you want me to quickly pray for you here at the end. Is there anyone at all? Is there? So if that's the case, with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you slip up your hand right now so I can see it? And I'll kind of remember you in prayer in a very casual, personal, non-embarrassing way. Put your hand up right now. Is there anyone at all today? Thank you. Thank you. Now, dear ones, I love you so much. I care for you. And I have to tell you something. I want to personally thank you the way you love Carol and me, the many things you've said, and and the way you've pointed me and reminded me of some stuff and done things for us and given us and taken us. I wish every pastor had you as their church member in a clone fashion, if you know what I mean, because I want you here. I love you. Now let's reach out to others and do that. Enhance your walk. Love the word of God. Get into your head and your heart and live it out through your hands. Engage your relationship. Love other people. If you're single, develop meaningful relationships, not just, hi, how you doing, and then move on. Those of you that are crying out for those, David said in a prayer to the Father, those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your word. So, Get involved in God's word and those who really care about God's word, the ones you really want as friends, will be glad when they see you. He also prayed, Lord, let those who fear you turn to me, those who know your testimonies, meaning that he only wanted the deeper friendships of those who love the word. You married people, can you get past some of the mistakes of the past? Maybe it's time now to give that person a do-over. I will promise you, you probably will get hurt again. But I also promise you that Jehovah will heal you. You family people, engage your family with more participation activities than just spectator. Do both, but spend time hearing each other's heart. You that are Christians, engage in relationships. The military, I know that you have special needs and I will applaud that and you need each other, especially Christians. Your needs are so different and so unique that we who have not been in military or not been in it a long time, we we don't know what you're going through. So reach out to fellow military people. They're there to help you. And yet at the same time, military and island folks, they're our brothers, they're our sisters. Let's engage our culture here both military and local. We're all in this together. You who are members, is there a broken relationship? Do you need to forgive anyone who's offended you? Do you need to remove any bitterness? Do you need to start over? Is there anyone who has a need? Can we reach out to them? We'll talk more about that in the future. Father, we have spent a great deal of time under your word today, meaning that your word is the authority over us. And we're in your word. Yeah, we opened it up and we got our eyes into the pages, but we're getting under your word. It's the authority. And so, Lord, we want to obey you. And so, Lord, in order for that to happen, we ask you to live your life of 
holiness and purity out through us. So we're dying to ourselves, not just when we trusted you, but now every day allowing you to live that life out so that, Father, we will have a hunger for your word like we've never had before and a hunger not just to know it for information but for transformation. And, Lord, we're going to look at our brothers and sisters through the eyes of Jesus Christ on the cross who sacrificed all. And we're going to accept one another. We're going to learn to think the same thing and say the same thing because of Jesus Christ. And our passion is to glorify you, not just to heal a body. Now, Father, I ask that you'll help us to grow in grace so we won't groan in disgrace. I pray for this one that indicated by an uplifted hand they're trusting you as Savior, that their salvation happened deep in their mind and heart before their hand was ever raised. And I pray that now they'll get a Bible and read it and see that what it says is true. They'll investigate further. I pray that they'll talk to you in prayer and not be stilted now and lay me down to sleep speeches. I pray that they will connect often with other believers. First one here, last one to leave. They would get involved in a connection group. They'd be faithful on Sunday and getting the the CDs that they miss because these messages are so connected together. And then, Father, they get a good Bible and read it. And Father, I pray that as we have fellowship with one another, that we would learn to serve one another from a heart of Jesus Christ. And Father, as we are this way, thank you for making us a church that is safe for other people to enter, that we now can give them the simple, precious message of the gospel. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.